Here we go. This is your host, Cameron Ivey of Privacy Please, and thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. No, it was more like Gabe hit me last night, and I was walking with my daughter through Target. And I was like, dude, let me think. And I was like, dude, I, I got an idea. And Gabe's like, all right, hit me with it. And I'm like, no, I'll send it to you tomorrow. <laughs> So that's the thing I just sent you. So so to kind of like bring us into it um, and to think about parts of it, I've been offering office hours and I've also been building a guide to take back your week. A lot of people are burnt out, right? They, they need mental health days. They're, they're feeling it. They're going crazy. It's going crazy for everybody. And I've been really trying to look at why. Why is this happening? Why? And, and what can we do about it? it? Turns out there's quite a bit. Those two things intersect pretty well because one of the things that's been happening in office hours is we talk about, among other things, privacy. And back on January 15th, I had a, it was a smaller group and we had a very heated, we had a very passionate conversation about security versus privacy and how they, uh, one person thought that they were diametrically opposed and the other person thought that they were, they were really well aligned. And I, I just thoroughly enjoyed the hell out of the conversation, just kept asking questions and asking questions and asking questions. And so, you know, when we, when we look at how do we tie these things together, I, I think what we're finding is that we're having this conversation, but then Gabe made a comment and Gabe, I didn't, I didn't write it down exactly. And I, I'm not looking at it at the moment, but it was something to the effect of, you know, can we can we freaking learn from anything in security to get better at privacy? Short answer, yes. Longer answer, have we learned in security yet? And I, I don't think that we have, but maybe the answers we can learn in parallel. So I don't know. Those are some of my thoughts around it. And I've, I've got some thoughts on the things that we face that make it harder for us to make that case. Because sometimes if we just illustrate that for people and they can see it, they have the words they didn't have before, it gives them a little bit of a lift. Like, okay, got it. I'm okay. And then we could talk about what it takes because frankly, delivering recognized business value, whether it's security or privacy, it's, it's actually the same challenge. It's just, how do you want to approach it? So any of that stuff. I'm I'm good, man. I love it. Juicy. Let's riff. Oh, we weren't, we weren't rolling. I thought we were already in it. (laughs) This is privacy, please conversations. I think that's a new, uh, a new segment we should start. Done. Ooh, I like conversations. Right. Well, I got I got a little inspired by my Michael here. I think the conversation's topic is pretty I cool. Love to... listening to Michael talk. I know. I seriously, <laughs> seriously, love listening to Michael talk. You you, was... you would love you would love this part, Gabe. My wife said to me last night, you know, I love listening. We were talking, and like I heard her like do that little, and I was like, Are you falling asleep <laughs> on me? She's like, I just I love your voice. I'm like, I love your voice so much, I fall asleep. Yeah. It's like when I go to the dentist, I don't even need anesthesia. I just bring a tape of you talking. Boom, I'm out. It's, it's not like that. Yeah, when I'm at the Make dentist, money I was like, that. would you like to watch a movie or something? And I'm always like, no, 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 no. Put on, put on NPR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gabe, you went really quiet to me. Did your mic change? Uh, I swapped mics. Let me move it over there. There you go. Is right. that better? Yeah, I mean. That's my know. good external mic. I was using just the, uh, the system. Cam, that is better, Cam's yeah. the sound man, so I just want to make Cam sure. Cam is the good. sound man. Cam is my I appreciate that. Cam is my right hand man, my sound man. 
he's my left man and like he's got all he's got them all covered man it's my my editing he's hey you've been stepping your game up though with with bringing some people on and helping so it's been helpful thing man we need we need an assistant but we'll get to that later i know i know i know i might have some answers for us soon we should talk but we're recording so i like that okay well i mean i thought we were already starting we could just we could just say hey this is privacy please let's keep going uh Yeah, there you go. I'd really like to talk about privacy risk and the challenge of being able to express it after years of struggling through cyber risk. Right. Right. Like, how do you how do you even express privacy risk when we haven't even we we don't even really express security risk well? We've finally just gotten away from red, yellow, greens as some expression of risk. Like we had Jack Jones on a couple episodes ago, right? Founder of uh yeah, the uh, fair methodology, right? Like, you know, the quantitatively measuring risk to talk about these things. And I don't think that conversation is over by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, that's, that's the thing, right? I mean, it, it's kind of like we said before we started rolling, you know, what have we learned? I don't, I, you know, I, I don't mean to sound defeatist. Uh, let me, uh, let me be perfectly clear too. A lot of people, right. So I've been doing this now for 24 years. And so a, lo- a lot of people will say things like, eh, nothing changed. No, everything's changed. You know, it's, it's interesting. Cause this for me has been a year of starting over, but not from scratch. And so the way I look at it is, you know, you can take a trip and into everybody else. It looks like you're at the same place you've always been. But yet to you, the world is completely different. I think we're there in security. I think the things that we dreamt about in the 90s, we can do today. Heck, we can do them today on our iPhones. That's awesome. Now, do we still have some of the same barriers and challenges? Sure. But in the 90s, if you said I'm in security, uh, it was a security guard. And, and, and now you get conversations. The boardroom does care. They, they do talk about these things. Here's what I think it comes down to. And I'm, I'm curious you, what each of you think about this. And I'll set it up this way, right? It used to be if you said cyber, people heard spider. And the only reasonable thing to do was kill it and kill it with fire. But now that you say cyber and they go, get okay, I read somewhere that spiders are good for my garden, but I don't like those creepy things. I hope they stay outside. I know I can't kill it, but it doesn't mean that they magically understood it. It doesn't mean that suddenly it's like rah-rah cyber. Yes, we know that that security at some level is important. Okay, and and then what? I think, I still think when we say privacy, people don't fundamentally recognize the difference between privacy and anonymity. Mm. And that confusion consistently plex, you know, perplexes us. So now when I say we're going to provide privacy, they go, okay, cool. What's that mean? What does it mean to provide privacy? What does it mean to honor privacy? What does it mean to protect privacy? And so I, here's the question, because this came up in a recent office hours. Are privacy and security aligned and allied? Or are they diametrically opposed? Can you have privacy if you have good security? Or does good security prevent having privacy or some permutation therein? And I think these are the types of conversations that we need to work through some of that complexity, not to get to simplicity necessarily, but to at least set the field a little bit differently so that we can have those types of conversations. But you guys have this conversation every week. Is security and privacy are they are they friends or are they are they opposed or does it depend? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we take a fairly religious stance on it. They're most certainly more than friends. Uh, you can you can have... Don't say friends with benefits. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sometimes, hopefully. Uh, we've been, we've all been there. Security, maybe. <laughs> we've been there. You, 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 can have, you can have security, no privacy, but you can't have privacy without security, right? That's, that, that's, the, that's the common denominator. There is no way to ensure privacy without security, but you certainly can secure data. You can secure information without, without uh, preserving its privacy. Um, which is why security is still at the forefront of a lot of these challenges. It's why, as an organization, it finds itself now supporting yet another business unit. You know, it went from just supporting IT and, and just supporting the, the core business functions of, of, of an organization to now also wholly supporting a, a legal and compliance function as well. Um, man, do I, I not envy CISOs even a little bit on any given day of the week. I don't envy them. I like, I kind of like the way you structured how you were asking us about what does, what does even having privacy mean? Because it made me think of two things. It made me think of, are we talking about the, the, the person, the user, are we talking about the, the company, the, like, what does it actually mean to have privacy and security? So it's it's very. Um, I think that's why it's so confusing now, still to this day, because like you said, security is still trying to figure things out as well. And well, and, and take that a step further, right? So, so really, I might be oversimplifying it, but at the organizational level, there's a policy that dictates what we're going to do for or about privacy. Okay. Well, does that match? what we personally expect or anticipate and do different people have different versions of privacy. We, we all know people who, uh, you know, still carry candy bar phones and want very little on it and are still upset about how much tracking and data that they have on them. We have other people that like, yeah, here's all my stuff, use it, do whatever you want with mm -hmm. it, you know? And so what happens, I think again, is, is we say the word privacy and we go, right. And the other person says, Yeah. We have no clue if we're talking about the same stuff or not. We use the same word. The way I like to explain this is if, if I say the color blue, get a color, a hue of blue in your head right now. What do you think the likelihood is the three of us are on the same color? And if you're listening, what's the likelihood that you're on the same color? Pantone has 65 million colors. And I don't know how many million of those are blue, but I guarantee it's a fair amount. And there's a lot of difference between a Caribbean blue and a navy blue and a midnight blue. And I don't know, I could bring my daughters in there. They know what better than me. But but so but what happens is we, we keep using these words that have so many meanings. And then expecting that everybody just magically has the same context, the same reference point, the same experience, the same expectation. Yeah. Well, that's going to consistently create challenges for us. Indeed. So let's pull in this thread a little bit more because I, I think part of the challenge is just the conversation. A lot of times on this show, we just get right into to the actual heart of the issues. And it's good to be able to spend some time talking about how we address the problems and not just the problems themselves, right? Stay hanging out in problem space a little bit more. What are some of the lessons learned from the from the maturity we've seen in the security field that we can apply to the privacy world? Well, 
I think naturally I'm going to come from my perspective, but a lot of the genesis of the straight talk framework came from watching. And and if you remember the core five questions, so one of the things that's happened in the last year is I've had a chance to update, expand it, but also make it a little bit easier to use. And and the goal is still to make it entirely free and public. It's a, it's a process, but the, the famous questions and the, the ones I always like asking, right? What problem are we trying to solve? Right. What's the value in solving this problem? What's the impact, which is a measure of friction, and it's either a, a multiplier or a negative, are, or how will we measure, and are we ready? And so if, we, if we're looking for the lessons, when we see somebody successful in security, we say, what problem are you trying to solve? The answer has never been security. Mm-hmm. And frankly, the answer is not compliance. I mean, I, like, I, I get it. Uh, complying for compliance sake is fine. But what I think a lot of people forget is that if compliance is the goal, you have the option to not comply. You can pay the fines. Now, in some cases, it's it's a it's a cease of operations. But I mean, there's a choice, right? Not to sound like a rush song, but you can choose not to comply. What I prefer to look at is why, right? What's the problem that you're trying to solve? And so if you're in a business to business or a business to consumer capacity, there's a certain amount of trust. And I think we have to do a better job in our industry of understanding trust in the first place, because trust, I think, fits really well with security and it fits really well with privacy. But again, if we if we come back to thinking about how we think about things and we think about the mental models, you know, the thing I keep asking people is, okay, well, what's the problem you're trying to solve? But then there's a corollary, right? Well, what does success look like? How would I recognize it as an outsider or maybe an insider? How will we measure it to know that we were successful? And what's the worth of that? Now, that's a that's a value question. But value, you know, when you ask most people the value of something, they know the price. You know, if you ask them the value, they want to jump to a return on investment. Well, I paid this much and, and we got this. Value is also logical. Value is also emotional. Value does a lot of things. So I just say, hey, what's it worth? If we if we solve this problem, what's it worth? Hey, guys, if we solve this problem and we provide privacy to our customers who are very discerning and they, they're expecting us to have it, if we can assure them that we've done that properly, what's that worth? And if the business comes back and says it's worth, you know, $10 million a quarter, depending on what the rest of your business looks like or what it costs to provide that, that's certainly something that most people would, would pay attention to. But if we can't get to that level, we're, we're missing out. Like that's, you know, that's like to flip it around where we still struggle as an industry is we try to answer those questions. You know, most times when I ask somebody what problem we're trying to solve, I get a very complex problem back. Yeah. So you got to ask it again, or or you got to dig deeper or we got to, you know, do some root level analysis on it. It's good. Something came to mind from us, uh, you know, faced with doing nothing as the least risky option. What should you do? I'm decidedly contrarian on this. So it's interesting that the context we were talking about is that if you're trying to initiate change, right? If you're, if you're selling somebody, by the way, I, you know, there's this interesting thing that somehow in security, Oh, I don't want to be sold. I don't sell me cool. I get it. Nobody wants to be sold, but everybody wants to buy. But here's the thing. If you're in security tonight and you're in the enterprise and you have to convince somebody to change something they're doing, you don't have to like it, but you're in sales. And 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 so if you stop thinking of sales as how do I convince somebody to do something instead, 
think of it as serving people. How do I help them understand their environment better? How do I help them make a decision that's in their best interest? And how do I support that? Suddenly sales isn't so scary anymore. But fundamentally, what's underlying that is that we have our own status quo. And as biological organisms, we fight to maintain homeostasis. We, we are not, we're wired to adapt to change really well, but we fight really hard to not have to change. So even when you get to these people that are like, I love change, I thrive on change. No, they don't. They don't. None of us do. It's just not biologically wired into us. Some of us adapt faster. Some of us adapt better. Some of us like that challenge because it's an adrenaline or whatever. Here's the thing though. There's a perception and the perception is what gets in our way, right? It's the only thing we have to fear is fear our, ourselves or, you know, what we fear in our minds is usually much worse than what it is. So if you're proposing to me to take a change, hey, you could do nothing or we could go protect this information. My mind floods with all the reasons that could be a really bad idea. By the way, I don't know if any of them are valid, but it sure feels it. And so now my choice is I can do nothing, which by the way, I don't like. I'm not comfortable here either. But that doing something is a lot more uh, uncomfortable. People change when that perception of change is less painful than the current situation. So here's what we do. we got to tell better stories. right? And, and to be careful here, this isn't about manipulation. This is about helping people see the current situation better. right? I talk a lot about this. It's, you know, a, a big important aspect of this is we need a more clear and more accurate and a more complete picture. The way we get that is we talk to other people. We ask them their perspective. But a lot of times if we ask, we're not asking to learn, we're asking to defend, we're asking to prove, we're asking to win. Oh, uh, so uh, so uh, what do you think about this privacy thing? And they say something, oh, yeah, okay, jerk, got it. You know, So you don't understand. As opposed to saying, hey, help me understand what's important to our customers. Help me, help me see the chain. Let's figure this out together and let's figure out where to apply something. And again, I've oversimplified it, but the more complete, the more accurate, the more clear the picture that we have, the better our ability to understand what's happening. That's where map making comes in. That's where we have this remarkable capacity to show people, here's where you are, and here's where I think we can be. And here's why I think it's good. And that's absolutely narrative storytelling. But then we have to be really candid about where our obstacles are, what our operational tempo is, what our capacity is. I mean, after this last year, I, I haven't talked to a team yet that has any surge capacity if they're still not operating at or slightly beyond surge capacity. Folks, when you redline an engine, it blows up. We are actually less tolerant than engines and also at the same time more tolerant. So when we talk about that status quo and sometimes it's easier to do nothing and what do you do? Where I'm contrarian is sometimes I think doing nothing is better, right? So like there's, there's doing nothing which is different than being stuck. There's motion, which most people pretend is action. And that's just going to get you in trouble every single time. Mm -hmm. There's action, which is okay. But I, I, I'm tired of the whole action is the cure. Yeah, maybe. You know what's better? Directed action. How do you take directed action? You set an intention. So if people say to me, well, at least I'm doing something. Ooh, cringy. Nope. You know what? Sometimes nothing is better than something because at least less can go wrong. You know, if you ever got your car stuck in the mud and you just kept jamming on the accelerator, you didn't go anywhere. You just made it worse. You started breaking things. It, 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 the whole thing was just a big hot mess. So if you come back to it, then what I would do is I'd build a map. I'd build a map. It doesn't have to be pretty. 
it, you know, it's picture pages. Can we say picture pages anymore? Well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, you build, you build a picture, you help people understand where they are on the map and where you'd like to get to, and you let them contribute to the journey. And, and if enough voices contribute, you get a sense of it. And then either, wow, this is totally doable or you people are the craziest people I've ever met. We totally can't do this. For all the, uh, what, what's the new, uh, is it X-Gen? For all the X-Gens out there, they probably don't know what a map is, but. Uh. <laughs> GPS, it's your GPS. It's Apple Maps, your Google Maps, but like for, for old people. Right. But, but if, I heard, if, if I heard all of that correctly, it's not do nothing because do nothing's good. It's do something else and, and start with, with an intentional path to the, the goal that you want. If, if in this case, it's you know, a successful privacy program. Yeah. In fact, what I'd sum up in that, Gabe, is it's have an intention. So if you feel stuck, good. Let's let's acknowledge that. Let's talk about why. But if instead you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, this is my situation. <sighs> should I do something or should I do nothing? If you ask yourself that question, I'm going to give you both answers at the exact same time and they're both correct. You should absolutely do nothing and you should absolutely do something. The nuance is the intention. The first thing you should do is say, what do I want to do and why? Do you need to learn something? Do you need to change something? Do you need to get somebody else to change something? Like, the, the, and I, I hesitate. I almost said the more sure of the action, the more, no, 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 I don't think that's a great idea. Because if you look at it as a fractal, right, it's, it's an intention, action, reflection. You should set an intention, know why you're doing something, take a directed action. And you always pause and say, okay, what did I, what did I learn? And what I always advise people was you ask that question in three dimensions. And the first one is always, what did I learn about myself? And the one I always like to ask is, you know, was I wrong? I don't mean that negatively. That's not lashing yourself and, and, and beating yourself up. It's saying, okay, I set an intention. I thought I could get X. How did it go? What, you know, what did I learn about myself and my ability to execute or to do these things? Second question, what did I learn about my environment? Sometimes our environments are just not designed for change. They, they don't support whatever we're trying to do. Third question, what did I learn about the work? You know, the thing is, go back to the, to the concept of perspectives. We take that directed action, we know what we know, or at least we think we know what we think we know. But when you start doing something, it, it sometimes changes. And, I, and almost always for the better. So I'm, I'm a big fan of like short time horizons, limited action, do something, see how it works, learn from it. Then you'll hear me say, take the best next step, right? Distill everything I just gave you down into one thing. If you, if you look at how we teach people to do anything, I'll pick something I hope fairly benign, rowing. If you watch somebody rowing, you know, it seems like rowing. Rowing's easy. You just get on a rower and pull, right? No, not not that easy. Okay. But if, if you do it and I sit down, I go, okay, uh, Cam, um, so I want you to pay attention to the way that, that your hips were firing relative to your shoulders and your pivot was off on that. And then you were leaning too forward on this thing, but then too far back on this thing. And so I want your smooth breather. You're like, dude, what what are you talking about? But if instead I look at it, I say, hey, Cam, lot, lots of good stuff in that one. Here's what I want you to do this time, okay? Every time you pull, I actually want you to focus on an exhale. That's it. That's all I want you to do. Let's go do that for a minute. That's it. One thing. By the way, if, if you're better at rowing than me, I, I cannot remember on the fly which way was the right way because I've been on a rower in a while. But, but what happens so many times is that we see something and we see the complexity of it and suddenly I've got to do 37 things. I've got to do 37 <laughs> things tomorrow. By the way, tomorrow's you know Sunday and you've got the day off. Pick one thing. 
one thing that you can reasonably obtain. And, and if you're listening to me now and you're saying, well, what does that mean? It means 15 minutes or less, maybe five. What's one action you can take five to 10 minutes that gets you closer to your goal based on your intention, right? Closer to your objective, to your outcome. And also gives you the ability to learn, gives you the ability to influence, gives you the ability to do something. So yes, long answer to your question to answer it shortly if you're if you're faced with do something or do nothing do nothing but also do something but the something should be intentional directed short and and it should inform whatever you do next what what's been going on with security catalyst what's what's been new since the last time we talked um i, I think I you have like a couple things I, yeah i feel like it's all new um I mean, here's the first thing. I mean, to be really transparent with everybody, I'm still security catalyst. You know, part of the last year was, you know, am I going to stay security catalyst? Am I going to stay in security? Am I going to go focus more on straight talk? Like, how does all this apply? Uh, Am I going to go work more with security vendors or am I going to work more with security leaders? Like, what's the deal? So, So the answer is yes. Um, but the focus is security catalyst. We're at a place right now where we need more catalyst. We need more people helping us reduce friction and, and accelerating that pathway to value. And I think I have the, the capacity and the ability to do that. And so one of the things that became important to me was helping other people. And so I, I put together something called Office Hours. I had, to be fair, it, I'm not even sure it was my idea. I, I have a, a great group of people that have reached out and they said, hey, haven't heard you in a while. Hey, you know, so-and-so, Noah Kagan is doing Office Hours. Have you ever thought of doing something like that? I was like, name sounds familiar. All right, let me go look. And I watched it and I went, oh, I could totally do that. And then I called a friend. He's like, good. So are you going to wait? Or how about can you do it on Friday? I was like, well, how am I going to do it? He's like, Zoom? I was like, all right, done. Let's just do it. I'm like, wait, wait, got to do a newsletter. Okay. So I started really simple. So, so I've got a newsletter now and it's me writing, right? So I started looking at what do I like? What, what's driving me crazy? What, what works? Started a very simple, uh, no frills, uh, newsletter, but it's a, a original thought for me that I haven't put out anyplace else yet. So I'm writing like a personal letter to you every week. And in that has a recap of last week's office hours and an invitation to office hours, on Friday at noon, it's Friday noon Eastern, we do office hours. And, so and it's, where does the name come from? Office hours? What does that even? I think it was a college thing. I mean, I you know, professors are like, we have office right. hours. You can come to my office and ask for help. Uh, uh, I mean, like I thought about like trying to be fancier with it. Like we'll call it a catalyst session or a conference. Yeah, look, the, the bottom line is this. Bring your problems to me. Like the best way to, for me to explain it is bring your problems to me. There's no sales pitch. I've got nothing to sell you. There's nothing veiled and I'll hold nothing back, which you guys know me. I, I don't hold anything back. It, we tend to focus on five basic areas, right? So, so we'll always talk about security and privacy, but a lot of people come because they want to talk more about business. They want to talk about communication, leadership, or personal development, which is really important. And I think this last year's shown as that. So we have that. One of the other things that came about a little bit Prior to that was I started working on something called the guide to take back your week. I just wanted to offer something useful uh, that, that people could look at. You, you get it, right? You run the business. You say, what can I create on the website that would be useful? But it, it took on a life of its own because I started talking to practitioners, right? Security leaders and, and my friends in the industry. And I noticed this alarming trend where on Friday, everybody just felt defeated. And and so I started pushing and people some gave me some very colorful graphical explanations of how they felt. Uh, and I decided that that was just total crap. So as I kept talking to people about it, 
I'd get feedback on Monday, like, hey, man, talking to you on Friday was great. And I really liked X. It helped. So it started as like the back of a napkin. Here's five things we could do. And it turned into like a seven part guide. And then I started writing it and it was like, you know, two, three, 4,000 words a chapter. And I went, okay, this is, this is overkill. So, um, so it's called the guide to take back your week. It's completely ungated and it's, it's really taking a look at what's going on. Like, why do we feel depleted all the time? And, and, and why aren't we getting the traction, right? Why, Hey, if we've learned all this stuff, why aren't we getting better at it? And, and how do I earn that seat at the table? And by the way, if I'm in leadership, I have to help myself and I have to support my team. How, how do I do that? And how do we break the cycle? And the plan is to push on this really quickly, get this done this month. And then I want to do like a short little audio summary series. I've been a lot into sketch noting lately. I want to kind of sketch note some of it out and give people a graphical map and a graphical representation. And then I think I'm actually even going to do some audio work around it. And then I've got uh, like a little five part, five day break the cycle and a little self-diagnosis I've been creating along the way. And so like, it's all just designed to say, if you're in this industry, stop feeling like crap on Friday. Like that, that, makes me angry. Like it, it fires me. It doesn't have to be that way. This is, we are smart. We, we are working hard. We are way over our skis on this every freaking week. And just because people don't see it doesn't mean that we're not valuable. But the problem is when other people don't see it and it keeps piling up and piling up and piling up, you get detached from your value. And when you get detached from your value, you don't see your value, which means you don't show your work. And if you don't show your work, then nobody sees it. And it's this horrible cycle. We're going to break that cycle because we need to, because this industry, it's too important. And, and it really, like, I, I take it very personally when, when our friends and when you guys don't feel well, it, it doesn't, that's not the way this is. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not acceptable, but it doesn't mean, well, then screw it. I'm out of this place. It just means there's some things we can do differently. So I don't know where this goes, but that's like, when you ask it, what's up, it's that. I feel brand new. I have an energy like I've never felt before. And I've been really trying to learn how to help security teams deliver recognized business value and even, you know, helping a couple of vendors that are focused on helping security leaders deliver recognized business value. So it's been great. It's kind of awesome. Awesome. No, it's awesome, man. Very nice. It's exciting. <clears throat> I don't think we, when we had, when we had you on first uh, last year, I don't think we had this question, Gabe. If you had a hundred dollar budget to use on security and privacy, where would you start? I have a phrase that I'll share and then I'll figure out where to go from there. But uh, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. And one of the things that I found in our industry is we're really quick to pop off without saying first, like understand. So where would I start? I would start by asking questions. Like if I hundred, if I, you know, if I had a hundred dollars, I'd, I'd figure out a way to get the right people in the room and buy them some pizzas or wings or whatever they liked or you know, in our socially distant age, you know, a couple uh, airplane bottles of bourbon to people and ask some questions. I mean, like I would start by getting a much clearer, much more accurate understanding of my situation, of the environment, of my program, of my priorities, of where the business was going, of our capabilities, of our capacity. If you don't, if you don't understand those things, I, I, I don't, I question what your pathway would look like. I like it. That's different from all the other ones we've had. Certainly is. I appreciate that that uh, perspective. That's a good answer. I'm different. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna definitely have to um, have you back on. Obviously, you're a recurring guest, so it doesn't matter. You're a friend of the podcast. But we didn't get to do this in the first episode, so uh, before I, you might have something to add here. 
but before I wanted to jump into some fun questions around getting to know you a little bit better. Well, but. let me add one piece because there, yep. there is an intersection and Gabe, we started down this road, but you know, my work in the last couple of years and really in the last eight or nine months has intensified in how do we deliver recognized business value. So the question that we have to ask is what is the recognized business value of privacy? And then in that, I think we can unpack and explore you know, there's three basic things. You need some clarity around that. And, and I think that's a good conversation point for us. But then it's a pathway. So how do we achieve it? What what are we seeing? Like, what are the obstacles or what are the opportunities? And then we need some confidence around that. We need the, what I call it the confidence of value. If we can clarify the value, the business value of privacy, then we can build some confidence around it. And that confidence is uh, the confidence to communicate, the confidence to allocate, the confidence to act. And Typically, when I come in to diagnose the situation, we look at those things. That's where we typically get our biggest opportunities. So, you know, if there's a place for us to follow up, that's probably a great uh, follow up place. And then we can even weave in some thoughts around why this has been a challenge for us. Because sometimes I tell you, just realizing that you're not alone and it's a challenge, we can give people some tips and they can break that logjam and they can move on. But let's do fun stuff. Hey, this has been fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll start off easy. We'll start off easy. Um, What's the weirdest thing that you've had to encounter during this last year? Weirdest. So my brain went a lot of different places with, with weirdest. um, But, but probably the most of it was a little bit of what I just told you, which was, um, you know, our, our lease came up in the middle of the pandemic and our landlord, he's a good, good person, uh, wanted to sell the house. So that, that created some interesting, um, in the middle of, of rebooting the entire company and figuring out schooling on the fly and everything else, it was, oh, and we're going to pack up our house and, um, and, and execute, you know, a move and or a shift. And, um, I am grateful for all of the lessons, but eager not to really repeat this experience. (laughs) It's fair. I think we're all putting last year behind or this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there was a lot of good in the year and I, I tend to celebrate that, but you know, sometimes you get through something and you learn and you get to the end, you're like, that's awesome. P.S. I'm never going to do that again. Now, I can't say never here, but it's 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 one of those lessons that I'm glad I've learned it. I'm a much better person. I'm not the same person I was a year ago, and I like the me now a lot better. I have a much better sense of purpose. I have a different understanding of myself and the world. Mm-hmm. I have a renewed belief in everybody. But, you know, I'm cool if we chill out a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with that. I think I think with anything else like a bad breakup or something that we all experience. This was something that we experienced as a country and we, we definitely should take optimism. Yeah. As a world optimism out of it and learning lessons and and just just keep pushing on. Yeah. And we need to look for the good lessons. There there were a lot of them there. And security and privacy are are getting even more important. So we're, we're right in the middle of it. So it's great. Yeah, we sure are. Um, Do you have any weird superstitions? Like, do you know, no, like, no, nothing. I tend to be a not superstitious person. Like I, I'm I, the kind of person that like, I don't like fear. Like the reason I learned so much about sales was cause I talked to somebody that was like, dude, I hate sales. I was like, yeah, 
you know what, I'm going to go learn how to be really good at sales because I don't want to have that fear. Like I don't, I don't like that, but I'm a little bit like Indiana Jones. I'm not a big fan of snakes. I like them <laughs> at a distance. I'm cool with them. I totally respect them. But um, also if they stay over there and I stay over here, we good. That's fair. What's uh, what's your favorite TV show? I was a big fan of Live PD, but they took that off the air. I loved Live PD. I um, I got even though Gabe 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 hurt my feelings though. He 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 destroyed my dreams. He said it's all scripted. Did I? Did I hurt? I think you did. I challenge everyone to go back and listen to. uh, I'll I'll put it in the show notes. Put it in the show. Uh, Look, I I. Yeah, I, I'm not con, con, concerned either way. I enjoyed it, and it was crazy because for me, it somebody else told me about it. I was like, you sit and watch that on Friday nights? And then I was traveling, and I watched it on a Friday night, and I was like, all right, I get it. <laughs> you know, um, now, I, I tell you what, they just started The Equalizer on CBS, and Queen Latifah kills it. She- oh, really? Yeah, that means they'll kill that. They'll kill that whole series because I love it so much. It, that is probably my favorite new TV show, and I don't watch like we don't watch a ton of TV. But I really liked the the reboot of the Equalizer movies. Like I'm I'm old enough that I can remember the Equalizer on TV when I was a kid. But the Equalizer movies with Denzel were just phenomenal, and um, mm-hmm. and we're like they're doing doing as a TV show. Oh, it's got Queen Latifah, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, she does not disappoint. It's Usually, go ahead. I was just gonna say, usually Denzel never puts out a bad movie, but I will say the one that came out on HBO recently made no sense as to why they even made the movie. If you haven't had a chance to see it, I think it's like Little Things. Nope, didn't see it. It it was he's like this old cop that used to be a detective, and it's, it's a it 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 has a setup. It has great actors in it, but it. It just it makes no sense as to why they even made it. I'll pull this one back together so that I can both put a bow on it and uh, and continue <laughs> to squash dreams. Episode 675 of This American Life, I'm on TV. It focuses on live PD and cops. And the number of privacy violations in both of those shows <laughs> is astounding. <laughs> astounding. <laughs> we I, I definitely entire- admit... Episode. When watching TV, <laughs> understanding security and privacy is a constant. Nope, nope, nope. That nope, nope. Yes. Wouldn't work. To, nope, doesn't. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> and so I just, it's a, it's a big lesson in suspending yes. disbelief. But if you're, so are you going to tell me now that wrestling that I grew up with on Sundays was also scripted, Gabe? See, I'm not going to do that because I. Okay. I, I, no one hurt me that badly as a child. <laughs> I, that I would turn around and inflict that kind of pain on another human being. So I'm not going to. <laughs> I think most of it was ad lib, though, at least. Right. <laughs> well, I'll say this: I'm not going to hop in the ring to find out, just in case. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, Michael, what, what's your biggest pet peeve? You got to have one of those, right? Uh, Maybe. Yeah, I, I probably have more. Jeez, let's ask my wife, and and there'll probably be a list because I, I probably vent about it. I, you know, I, I think consistently the thing that upsets me the most, like my pet peeve. Um, are, are people who are totally capable and completely unwilling. Like if I think about all the people I like working with, all, all how much I enjoy being around people, the people that you know are capable, they, they admit that they're capable. They just don't care. They're just not interested. They don't want to buy themselves. Don't, that really crushes me. Like I get upset with that. I don't, I don't like that. I don't, 
I think we should aspire to more. Yeah. That's a good answer. It's truth. Um, that's my Achilles heel. Well, this, this question is our Achilles heel and, and we really want to know what your TP situation is like over there We got in more the house. <laughs> well, more than <laughs> that's good. But, uh, how do you guys put the roll on? Is it over oh. or under? Over the only way possible. Look, if you go look at the copyright, the copyright uh, and, and the, the patents on it, it, it's over. It's over the top. There's okay. the, the other way is is wrong. Period. I mean, would you argue with the USPTO? I wouldn't. That's uh, that's the right answer. Not on this one. I mean, it's got Hot prior take. art and everything, so it has to be right. There is prior art. Yes, I and I found it on the internet, guys. You know how that works. Big leaf went over not under so yeah i mean think yeah. about it right you used to take the montgomery wards thing you nailed it you ripped it from the top you didn't rip it underneath no that's right? crazy you took talk. it off the top society. so yeah no i'm with you we're, we're civilized at least from the, yeah we're yeah. civilized yeah <laughs> well michael this is great um i think there's, there's there's a lot there's a lot that we could talk about and you're always just awesome to to listen to and I think we're definitely going to have you. I apparently can put people to sleep. (laughs) You could listen to a recording of this. I don't even think you need like Novocaine. It's great. Hey, that was from your wife though. You, you said someone wants to go to bed with privacy, please is the last conscious thought they had to your, to to the sultry voice of, uh, of of Mike. I'm down for that. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little smooth jazz meets privacy. Privacy, please. Privacy, please. <laughs> With a little sugar on top, baby. That's conversations. All you privacy lovers. <laughs> the little get the jazz going. Not 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 the seventies you know, porn funk like jazz. No, no, you know. No, no. A little smooth. Gotta keep it classy. Little, uh, little, uh, was it, uh, what was the station? Ninety-eight point three Cincinnati. I don't know what WKRP Cincinnati. <laughs> I don't know what station are we talking about. <laughs> I guess I was. Yeah, we're in different states at the time, so <laughs> it's it's all the yeah. same. Well, anyways, we're gonna have you back on, and it's always a pleasure, man. Thank always. You all you gotta do is ask. Ha- happy to come. Happy to share the things I'm learning, uh, especially if it helps people that are trying that are that are really working on solving this. You know, sometimes it's those little things. And, you know, you gave, you said something I really appreciate. And I, this is where I spend a lot of my time. How do we solve the problems? How do we think about thinking about things? How do we solve the problems we need to solve? Like I, I, I've been focusing a lot on the process because I think there's a lot to learn there and, and we can avoid some mistakes and all do a little bit better. So this is great stuff, gents. I I love the work that you're doing and thanks for letting me be part of it. Thank you for coming on the show again. wanted to thank all of you out there for tuning in each and every week and to all of our amazing guests for coming on i I know that there are millions of other shows and it means the world to have you with us on this journey we are so grateful that you choose to listen to us each and every week if you like the show tell a friend have them tell their friends and then make maybe make some new friends along the way uh, so we can continue to spread the word and keep learning together let's protect what matters most and by the way dj Can you go ahead and drop that outro beat and keep it classy? We'll see y'all next week.